Welcome to the OMR Podcast International. I'm your host, Scott Peterson, International Content Editor at OMR. Today, we are staying thirsty, my friends, with master YouTube creator and master of wine, Constantine Baum. Now, Constantine, if you didn't know, is a wine influencer par excellence. He's Germany's youngest ever recipient of the title Master of Wine. He runs one of the world's largest YouTube channels devoted to wine, sends a weekly newsletter, and has an online shop featuring wines he features across his channels. We caught up at OMR HQ and discussed the business of wine, video content strategies, and everything else Constantine has built up around his title Master of Wine. And be sure to stick around for some tips and tricks that we us wine mortals can do to improve our wine shops and to find out how Gary V helped Constantine get to where he is today. All of that and more right now in the Omar podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined right now by Constantine Baum, uh, among other things, content creator, wine influencer, and Germany's youngest ever master of wine. That's correct. Scott. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds good. Okay, yeah, yeah good. I'm glad. Uh, I worked on that intro for a little bit. Um, I, I have a really dumb question to kick things off. Um, is a master of wine the same as a sommelier? Not really. I mean, you could call yourself sommelier. You could be Scott the sommelier, mm -hmm. and no one could complain about it. It's not a not a term that uh, you, you can just use it. Basically, it's not protected. But okay. the master of wine, that's. A certification. So if, if you would run around calling yourself a master of wine, you would uh, get into trouble, basically. <laughs> okay, so it's but, like somebody calling cheese from, uh, not from Parma, Parmesan cheese, that type of thing. Yeah, kind of. But but I mean, basically, the, the real answer is that there's quite a lot behind it. So mm -hmm. the, there's an institute of masters of wine, and you have to go through the whole process. And in the end, you have to pass an exam. And the exam is one of the most difficult exams in the wine world. So you have to identify 36 wines blind. Okay. So just smelling and tasting them and telling the uh, examiners which grape variety it is, where it is from, all that kind of stuff. Did you also have to name the producers? No, you don't. Okay. I mean, that would be showing off. I, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, so what set you down uh, uh, the path of becoming, uh, uh, wanting to get a Master of Wine certification? So I basically started off uh, in the trade, like, well, I, I started off uh, on the floor. I worked as a as a young sommelier, as a waiter mm -hmm. in, in a nice uh, hotel. And I got more and more interested in this wine thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm from a town called Bielefeld in an area in Germany where, where there's no wine production at all. So I didn't really have a background in wine, but I... As soon as I started tasting wine and read more about wine, I kind of fell in love mm -hmm. and became more and more interesting for me. But I still wanted to pursue the career in hospitality. And then there was this one moment where I basically went to a tasting and I tasted the wine. The wine didn't really, um, well, didn't really show well. It didn't really give me a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. But everyone said, this is this great wine and you, you should try it. So I took that bottle home with me after the tasting. Yeah, uh, I asked first, but, but I, <laughs> I then took it home with me. Proper etiquette. Yeah, and, and the next day I actually poured myself a glass and, uh, and it was just completely mind-blowing. It was a completely different experience. The wine was open. There was so much flavor coming out of the glass. It mm -hmm. tasted amazing. And that was a wine from Burgundy from a small strip of land called La Grand Rue. Mm -hmm. And um, it's basically next to one of the most famous vineyards in the world, uh, Romani Conti. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a magical place. And it produced this wine. And I suddenly realized that there's so much more to wine than I, than I ever thought. And I actually... 
uh, I still I have a bracelet on my arm uh, right now uh, with the coordinates of that location of La Grande Rue because okay. that's kind of it's it's so special for me. I think I might have my career would have ended in another place if I wouldn't have tasted that wine. I guess fair enough. But the chosen career path is uh, not without competition because um, as a friend of the of Omar uh, Scott Galloway likes to say. You should find something that you're passionate about and where there's little competition. So you find something like waste management. Nobody's really that passionate about it, but you tend to be good at it. Um, you cannot say that about wine. There are a lot of people whose dream is to work with wine, to work to be a sommelier. Did you realize that it was going to be this big of a challenge? Or were you just completely bullish on your prospects and you just set your mind to it? Like, okay, I've started in gastronomy and hospitality. I've found this wine and now... This is all I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I w I think I was kind of strategic about it, even though I didn't draw it down on a on a board or anything like that. But but I realized that there's quite a lot of competition there, and that I didn't want to spend my whole life like working on the floor mm -hmm. or or just not not kind of uh, making it to to a certain level. And and then I kind of thought, well, how how do I make make myself relevant enough so that I'm not one of many sommeliers or many people who are interested in wine? So, so that's why I actually pursued this career of um, of becoming a master of wine. Um, there are 400 something masters of wine in the whole world. 400. Yeah. So so so, so it's a very uh, very special qualification that not many people carry, and that kind of brought me to a, a new level like mm -hmm. uh, um, when I when I managed to get through that and was the first or uh, the youngest German ever to pass pass it um, uh, that kind of helped my profile but as it always is when you reach uh, like what you think is the top of the mountain you realize it's just another plateau and there's yeah. there's another top far in the distance and sure and then I kind of thought well how how do I set myself apart here amongst mm -hmm. uh, the masters of wine and And social media was then my opportunity, I think, because I'm still one of the youngest masters of wine in the world, even though I'm getting older. <laughs> but, but but obviously, lots of the old guys they are not really into social media and that kind of stuff. So so I, I realized if I if I can make it there, like mm -hmm. on one of the platforms, I might I might uh, well I might set myself apart uh, enough so so that I can do what I really love, uh, follow the the career that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. While uh, also building a business and 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 making some money. Fair enough. Um, did you have any inspirations other than the uh, wine that you had that completely changed its profile the next morning? Was there any like specifically? Like, I don't know, sommeliers or maybe you had like a, a mentor or something that kind of continued that provided you further inspiration for your journey. Yeah, I mean, lots of people. Obviously, wine is about people, and there were lots of people who really helped me. But but one who might be really relevant to your audience here at Omar is actually Gary V. I mean, okay. back in the days, he wasn't called Gary V. He was Gary Vaynerchuk, and yeah. he had the hottest wine program uh, uh, on social media back then. I think it wasn't even hosted on YouTube. It was on Vidla or some other platform. Right. And he actually managed to kind of set himself apart from from the masses by doing that during a time when no one was uh, creating video content sure. online that was like in 2006 2007 that's when he started so so it was very early days 
And I watched that and I, I liked it, not all of it. I, I sometimes I actually sent some mes messages back and forth with Gary. Like, and he responded? Him. Yeah, he did. Oh. But back then he was very much on top of... Hustle uh, every day. He, yeah, he, I think that he, had, he still had fewer messages and less <laughs> responsibilities, I guess. But... But um, but yeah, we we uh, went back and forth, and uh, I I sometimes critiqued his wine knowledge a little bit. But but yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> that's still, funny subtle I, flex. I still gotta gotta uh, uh, I I do respect him for for what he did back then, and I think that opened my eyes to the possibilities mm -hmm. uh, there are in in the in the world when you combine wine with uh, the new media landscape. Sure. Um. So like. You, I guess, when did you get your, your Master of Wine certification? 2014? Uh, 15. 2015. Yeah. yeah. And when did you start um, creating content on your own? Well, I think I, I basically, I mean, I've, I've been active on Facebook and then Instagram came along and I started posting my pictures because I always liked taking photos and then mm -hmm. I went into video stuff and I posted videos and, and uh, my first videos are on YouTube were probably on in 2014, mm -hmm. but they were, I just, yeah, put like three or four videos uh, out and, and then I just got busy with other stuff and I forgot about it for a while. Okay. And then what, what brought you back to it? Well, it was the pandemic 2020. Uh -huh. Um, I usually travel a lot, like uh, like fifty percent of my work time is basically on the road, traveling through wine growing regions or hosting uh, events all mm -hmm. around the world. So so I couldn't do that, and and I always wanted to do this YouTube thing because that was actually always the only platform that I really enjoy consuming content from. Mm -hmm. I, I do check my Instagram and TikTok, but. But it's not really something that I really enjoy. It's more for educational purposes, really. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So how do you do that? But um, but on YouTube, I always liked watching other YouTubers. And I, I kind of went, well, I, I have this time now. Like, let's just call it free time. And I take it and apply it to something that I always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I started putting out videos like uh, once a week uh, almost once a week mm -hmm. um, and I changed the channel from German to English okay. and which made so much sense um, I don't I don't know why I ever started doing posting videos in German really, I was going to ask you about that actually because I, I, I figured and this is probably just my own imp impression of the, the market but that it would be a lot harder to stand out with English content as it would you know, with German content, because, you know, the whole philosophy, like a, a big fish, small pond type of thing. Um, but you apparently know, looking back, you're completely thrilled with the decision. Yeah, I think if you if you uh, if you're looking at a strategy, you 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 want to niche down in in social on social media because there's so, so much stuff. Right. But but uh, when it comes to wine, it's still a small niche. I mean, my channel is one of, if not the biggest wine channel in the world right now, mm -hmm. and I have like 125,000 subscribers, and and uh, and that's not necessarily huge in YouTube terms, but but um, but I I needed to reach critical mass to make it real fun. Sure, you know you want to build community, and if you if you only have uh, 10 people post uh, commenting on your videos, it's not that exciting for the others to to be engaged with the channel. Whereas now, if I put something out. Like hundreds of people comment, mm -hmm. and they engage, they engage with each other, uh, and there's a real community building. On top of that, I now reach so much more people than I would have been able to reach if I would have done this in German. Sure. And, 
And my English is good enough, I guess, that people understand me, even if they're not from Germany. Um, so so I think, yeah, I never never looked back on that decision. Yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned community and community building. Um, what are, what else have you done? You also mentioned some events that you go out on to like kind of, you know, get engaged directly with uh, some people, some fans in your community. Um, wh- how, how has that process been? And were there some like specific things that you did that kind of helped jumpstart community building process? No, I think um, the community really built online, was built online. I've been booked for to run masterclasses and, and speak at events for for many years before I started my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And people, but now people come up to me and say, hey, I watch your videos. Can we take a selfie? So so that's, those are the moments where, where we get together, but we haven't really done a lot of community get-togethers uh, okay. or none, basically. But, um, what I what I try to do is keep my community engaged by posting uh, little quizzes on the community um, tab. Uh, I, I basically describe a wine. Mm-hmm. I give five options, um, and they they have to choose which wine I was describing in the in the in the written text on top. Okay, and that's like four thousand, four thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand people react to that mm-hmm. and and uh, and engage with that and. And it's also my community also sends me wines for me to taste. Just the other day, I had a guy from Munich drive all the way to Baden-Baden, where I'm based, uh, to give me a bottle of 1825 Madeira wine. Uh So wine from the 1825 vintage um, for me to taste so that I can kind of uh, describe it in the video. And then uh, I had to give it back to him. You had to give it back to him. I could keep a glass, but I mean, it's 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 a special special bottle. So he he wanted to keep the rest for himself so and, and and his friends. And then he drove back to to Munich the next day. So so uh, that's, that, awesome. that's kind of uh, that's I I I really think that's that's quite special to have people that uh, engaged. Yeah, that engaged. Yeah, yeah, willing to drive like a couple states over to give you a glass of of Madeira. <laughs> and how was it? It was pretty awesome. You got to watch the video, but yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. I, I do watch your videos. Um, I, I am definitely. Uh, we mentioned this earlier uh, before we started recording. Um, my wife's Italian. Uh, I'm very much into the the food and wine game, uh, as you'd have to be. Um, you'd have to be an idiot not to take advantage of that. True. Um, but uh, so some more. Um, uh, uh, I have another question about uh, like your community and like some of the channels you like to use. So you primarily use YouTube, Instagram. Um, you have a newsletter. Yeah. Um, are you on TikTok? I'm on TikTok, but I'm tiny on TikTok. Well, <laughs> it can change overnight. I think those quizzes that you were talking about, those. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so what other business ventures, what other channels do you have out there? So um, everything I do is basically community based. That's that's kind of what I realized, realized through the years. And I, I also have an online uh, retail company that mm-hmm. is. Uh, more of a content uh, company as well because I basically it basically just works based on the newsletter that I send out every mm-hmm. week or sometimes twice a week. Mm-hmm. So I describe I, I describe a wine, but more 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 um, I, I I rather well go into uh, a story mm-hmm. be, behind the wine. So so I try to try to explain the culture behind that product and uh, sometimes I start off by talking about the weather right now or I I talk about uh, some music that I'm listening to uh, and then it kind of develops into into a story that that, uh, 
kind of always makes its way back to to that specific wine that I'm describing okay. is describing in that newsletter, and that um, well, lots of people just read the newsletter for for the entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. But if they want, they can obviously also also buy the wine from Baum Selection from my from my website. So that's also that's basically my oldest uh, channel. Okay, uh, but uh, just to dig deeper a little bit, so you have a relatively long form newsletter yeah. like how long are the posts right roughly? well it's probably like if you would write it out it's in on on a on a laptop it would be like one pa page of paper it's okay a, well yeah. still i mean yeah. in the uh, attention economy nowadays like you have people that reading if they read that through i mean they're dedicating a lot of resources and there's no pictures that it's it's just it's just font so okay. so so it's just uh, just uh, written content at its purest all right and then it it's all revolving around like the one specific bottle of wine from the one specific chateau or cantina or wherever it might be yeah. and you offer that through your own uh, website bomb selection that's it yeah. okay Uh, and how many subscribers do you have? I it's in the thousands. So, okay. So yeah. Okay. Um, that's uh, pretty impressive. Like especially like if you get like that kind of engagement. Um, now um, I talked about the shop. What was for? Did the shop come first? Yeah, that was basically the first thing. Uh, so it was called. It had a different name in the beginning, but uh -huh. but that's what I started with uh, initially and. Really, in the beginning, I thought social media would be more of a um, more, more well would be a platform to promote the shop because, mm -hmm. like, talk about competi competitive uh, businesses, mm -hmm. like getting into the wine business. That's one of the most competitive businesses there is. Mm -hmm. uh, like wine retail, wine social media, it's a different story. So, okay. so uh, I thought that might be a way for me to stand out. But over the over the years, I I realized that that doesn't work social media if you just if your own or if my only purpose is to promote my company by mm -hmm. putting out content it doesn't uh, you, people don't don't give back because i'm sure. not really given giving them much you know i'm promoting stuff so so that's not really something something that creates value so i realized that i really have to keep it a little bit or keep it separate mm -hmm. uh, and look for ways to make people's life be lives better so so the shop is entertaining the the newsletter should be entertaining informative mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of edutainment there i sure. guess um and they 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 can buy if they want or, or not and and on the social media side it's the same it's more about educating people entertaining them and many people well just they they watch my videos and they google my name and then they kind of uh, get to the shop and buy from me uh, uh, sure so, so there there's they they are coming back somehow but but it's if it's too too promotionally uh, then that sure. doesn't quite work don't go for the hard sell yeah. in wine yeah fair enough um so you mentioned you like to travel a lot and you go visiting vineyards all these places around the world as much as you possibly can um which again dream job um Do you try to like set up kind of partnerships or relationships with the winemakers there, like to also like for like your blog posts and newsletters that you send out to like maybe find ways of like working together or promoting their wine a little bit further? Or is that is our winemakers not really that far along? Um, savvy enough. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it in, in those words, but, but I, I think the wine world is always a little bit behind, you know? Sure. Um, that's that, that's probably why I managed to be successful on social media on YouTube in wine in 2020 because people everything happens quite a bit later so 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 it's not it's not the most uh, well it's it's more of a 
everyone plays the long game. So, sure. so, so they are they are family businesses, um, and and uh, I don't show up there and go. Well, I want to promote you on social media first of all because that's not what I'm looking looking for, mm-hmm. and that's not what they are looking for. They they'd be like, what is social media? <laughs> Some of them would right. Be. Yeah, sure. Uh, so 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 I I basically go there. I tr- uh, travel through the regions. I usually seek out small producers who are artisanal. And and I, I taste their wines, and if I like them, then I import them. Uh, if if I don't like them, uh, I don't. So simple as that. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. And uh, but so like import them, you sell through your shop, and yeah. that. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess I'm just like if you're saying like a smaller producer. I don't know how many bottles of wine does a typical small producer produce in a year. So so my producers would be between 20,000 and 200,000 bottles of wine okay. I guess. So probably plenty for your shop. Yeah, I mean th- there's enough for my shop but uh-huh. but but they are small businesses. So mm-hmm. so they are really uh, small. There there are lots of really small um, um businesses in the wine world and and they tend to be the most interesting ones for me to uh, go to to visit to talk mm-hmm. to because because it's not they, they they don't have a marketing person they don't have a sales spiel they they yeah. just it's it's the the winemaker with his dirty hands yeah. and uh with uh with some stories sometimes they don't have any stories to tell you exactly. <laughs> they've just been doing it i inherited it i couldn't do anything else yeah. this is what i do <laughs> yeah but 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 usually um that's that's what i find most interesting and and the people who buy wine from me they mm-hmm. They don't want like the wines that everyone already has on their shelves. They want special um, wines, special grape varieties, regions that they've never been to. Like one of my uh, favorite producers in my portfolio is from the Savoie region in France. I have a uh, good friend from that area. All right, I okay. didn't actually know they produced wine. Sorry, Bertrand. <laughs> yeah, so see, um, it's 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 a small place and but a very interesting place, and yeah. that that's kind of what gets me excited as well. They have like grape varieties like Jacquier and uh, Mondeuse grape varieties mm-hmm. that most people never heard of but Guilty but, as charged. but but it's but it's interesting and and uh, they produce great quality and because no one has ever heard of them their winery the grape variety or the region the price is usually uh, traded at a discount you know sure. um, if you are, if you if you're from burgundy and you you have uh, romane conti as a as your vineyard site then then you can charge whatever price you want if you're from the savoie and you you have this jacquer vineyard which is beautiful and produces amazing wines mm-hmm. but no one knows it then people will not be prepared to pay as much so so i'm looking for those wines mm-hmm. because i i have the 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 palate the nose to seek out the the truffles and mm-hmm. and then uh, d- deliver them to my to my subscribers to my customers. Okay, now um, so I guess then uh, so you have your shop, you have the social media, you have the newsletter, we have YouTube, which I'd like to dig into a little bit more here in a minute. Um, you're also uh, you're still involved in hospitality, aren't you? Well, I um, I have basically two cons- consultancy clients. Um, uh, that that I work with one one is uh, the the Brenners Park Hotel in Baden Baden, uh-huh. and, and the other one is a totally new project which isn't quite finalized uh, yet. Okay, but but so so I seek out some uh, great partners that I can work with to keep like a foot in in that business. But I'm not actually working on the floor. I, I okay. basically select the, their wines. I, I build their wine lists and uh, work with the with the sommeliers on the on the floor to okay. kind of educate them or help them do their job better. Kind of like if we use a Hollywood analogy, the, the executive producer. 
I guess. Maybe. I, I don't know. We can stick with that. <laughs> um, but uh, so then with all the content stuff that you're doing on social media and other places, uh, do you have a team that's doing that, that's yeah. helping you? Well, I've, I've got a team that uh, that helps me, but mm -hmm. but most of the content production is actually me, I, I, at least the, the final steps. So... Uh, shooting the videos, um, I, I still have my my old setup that that, mm -hmm. I, that I've had for for a few years now, and I I know how to handle the cameras and I write the scripts and and that that's me. I write the newsletter, I, mm -hmm. that's me. I take the photos, that's me. Uh, okay. But I got people who do like uh, bookkeeping, uh, running the company, uh, okay. the warehouse, free and, and up those your kind back. of things. Yeah. So, okay, so you can do everything else. Um, so then uh, I guess just a couple of questions then about like uh, YouTube and like the newsletter, like we mentioned a little bit about monetization with the newsletter. What about with YouTube? Is there like a monetization strategy behind that? Or is it just purely like what you were talking about, an entertainment and education uh, uh, mission or format? Yeah, I mean, um, it's not a strategy as like I didn't put anything on a whiteboard, but but uh, obviously YouTube actually uh, starts becoming financially viable at, a, at an earlier stage than most other platforms, I guess, because mm -hmm. it's the only one with a built-in uh, monetization uh, element. So, mm -hmm. so as soon as you... Uh, hit certain criteria you you can you can get some some money from from youtube for the ads that are played uh, at the beginning in the middle or at the end of the mm -hmm. videos and and that that has developed uh, into a small business on its own so so it's now like in the six figures mm -hmm. uh, um in between uh, like youtube uh, ad money um integrations mm -hmm. i work with different companies and they book a slot and i do like a 60 to 90 second integration where i talk about their product okay um and and that's that's pretty typical for youtubers and then i also do like some dedicated videos okay. um, sometimes but i do that very rarely work with uh, wine growing regions go there describe the region mm -hmm. um, and create some content about the region uh, without like without um, having to having to read a script for them it's basically a, a video that that I would do probably anyways okay. I shouldn't maybe do that say that but 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 uh and but but which is then on like one dedicated video uh, on one dedicated region and mm -hmm. And uh, that would also be posted on my channel. Okay, so, so uh, I understood you correctly. A, a annual revenue around six figures. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. In addition to all of the other comings and goings that you have going yeah. on. Not bad at all. Um, so I wanted to then kind of like shift over a little bit into um, like your, not only just your target group, I mean, definitely a little bit about them, but kind of the status of wine today, like uh, as far as like a target group goes, because it seems to me, at least anecdotally from my own perspective and uh, experience that wine seems to be a lot more accessible, even though it's still niche um, than, and widespread today than ever before. Um, and that even like maybe beginners, people that like they have like a, a higher floor of of wine knowledge than in the past. Am I wrong in that? Is that your impression too? How do you see kind of like where where people are w with regards to wine today. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's much more information available nowadays about wine. Um, p uh, wineries get more savvy in communicating information mm -hmm. to their customers so they know more about their products. There are more labeling laws uh, that, that might be a little bit boring, but 
looking at this 1825 Madeira the other day, mm -hmm. I realized uh, back in the days they didn't have to put anything on the label, not where it where it's from, uh, where, who, who who bottled it. Okay. Uh, they didn't have to name the alcohol level, so you didn't have any information back then. So we'll so, make you blind. <laughs> so 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 it's kind of. Um, it's kind of, uh, there, there's quite a lot of information there now. And yeah. people, I think, are more interested in wine, but there's also um, there's also less consumption in quite a lot of the traditional markets. I mean, if you look at Italy and, and France, people used to drink uh, more wine during the day, like for lunch mm -hmm. and, uh, and um, more regularly for dinner. And now they, they stop drinking or they drink other beverages. So, so it's, it's still available everywhere, but wine has to compete against other products mm -hmm. and, uh, and people nowadays also watch much more um, what what uh, well they want to be more efficient they want to they they, they don't they don't they want to be uh, stay young for mm -hmm. for longer so so they try to stay away from from alcoholic beverages and and so on and so forth which is generally not a bad thing but but i think the the i think it's it's a it's a product that that has been part of our culture for 8000 years so so it's not not necessarily something that we should get rid of uh, at all. I think it it actually enriches your life if you consume it uh, uh, sensibly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's nothing, at least in my view, uh, I know you, I, mean, I assume you, you share the same view, nothing finer than a nice meal rounded out with a nice bottle of wine amongst friends. I mean, that's it sounds like a pretty nice evening or afternoon um, to me. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially, I think when people look at wine or alcoholic beverages in general, they always look at the bad sides of it. Mm -hmm. But the moments that were enhanced just by consuming a little bit mm -hmm. of, of, of wine or, or beer together with friends uh, to make this evening more special, to loosen the tongue a little bit, yeah, sure. to, to celebrate a little bit harder. That's kind of uh, what what is left out very often. Absolutely, and plus, like with wine, line, uh, even like to an extent, like with whiskey and stuff, like you can. There's such a there's a long story and tradition and culture inside every bottle. Like you're saying, like you have like these stories with these connected to these small producers in Savoy or somewhere in Italy or wherever. And um, yeah, you don't get that with a bottle of Coke. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, I have a question also, like, uh, and I said that I watch your videos, and uh, I was like many of the people, like. I had an experience with a certain Luca Maroni. Um, this is one of your more recent videos. And to be fair, um, I was actually at a Luca Maroni event here in Hamburg, I think in 2018. It was a fantastic event. I knew nothing really about the guy at the time. The wines there were lovely and everything. Um, and if you haven't seen the uh, your uh, Constantine's video, it is essentially, um, I guess, takedown is the the proper word uh, a 10 minute disc because um this guy who uh has this kind of very cloudy system quote system of giving points to wine um rating them in a way that is not really understandable or relatable yeah. um and um that kind of got me to thinking like how like who can you trust like when it comes to these like wine experts, obviously Constantine Baum, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you have to trust this man. But like, you know, with like this thing, like with the with Luca Maroni and like some of the other quote unquote snake oil salesmen or whatever, like they have ulterior motives. Like, is there like a way that you could maybe, or a tip, some strategies you would have for people to kind of filter out and weed out like the the bad faith actors from the good faith actors? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I first got to say, 
I'm not one who likes to disrespect uh, other people for, from my industry, but but I just I just had enough because this guy kind of hijacked uh, the rating system that that is used in the wine world and and uses it I think to his benefit. So 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 and and not not to the consumer's benefit. So mm -hmm. so I I didn't really like that. So I I thought I had to say something about it, but. But yeah, I think it's tricky. I mean, uh, you obviously um, there there are some wine critics that are that are um, well internationally recognized, mm -hmm. um, and and you can start looking at their ratings and read their uh, tasting notes, and then kind of see whether they align with your taste. But it's not like there's no no one who has the exclusivity on taste. Uh, right. So everyone likes different things. Most people in the world will probably. Uh, like the wines that I don't like, and mm -hmm. and uh, hate the wines that I like. So so because I I have a I'm I'm operating in a small niche. I'm mm -hmm. I'm like drinking uh, special special wines basically. So so um, if if you if you watch my videos and and like uh, um, my style, then you might. Pick pick out a wine based on a description that I that I gave. Like I said, those wines never are never wines that I actually sell. They are wines that I that I buy myself in order mm -hmm. to uh, review them independently. And and if you then like that wine, you might do that again and again and again. And that's how you find out whether you you can trust someone. I guess that's the same process everywhere. Yeah. So 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 I think. Um, when it comes to social media, there are not so many people who actually review wine online in, on social media, but you can check them out and some some uh, you, some you might like and some you you won't like. Um, but following the established critics like robertparker.com, vinis.com, uh, Jancis Robinson is also one mm -hmm. that is very, very uh, influential. Um, they, 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 they tend to work, operate independently and make their money from subscriptions from their from the the people who follow them mm -hmm. but many wine magazines nowadays and some of these slightly dodgy wine critics they actually don't make them their money from from the people who actually trust them or or read their stuff or or look at their um, look at their scores they're being paid by the producers i mean most wine magazines nowadays they They make money from advertisements, and, mm -hmm. and it's not the average show uh, wine consumer who puts out, puts out an ad. It's it's usually wineries who who try to promote their products, and then you turn the page, and mm -hmm. on the next page, uh, it, they they review the wine from the winery that put this fifteen thousand euro sure. ad into 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 their paper. So how can you? avoid conflict of interest there and the answer is you can't you can't uh, and like if this was social media uh mr maroney probably would have been called out long ago it would have been yeah. for not listing his posts as a paid promotion something along those lines fair enough um so but then that kind of brings me back to like or we can transition into like another aspect which is like kind of like how would you go about like telling somebody like maybe there's they have friends over a certain night and they're standing in front of like the, the the wine shelves at their local winery or the wine shop or whatever they don't really know like what they want like how do you like kind of start that process with them are there like tips or tricks like for like maybe finding wines that somebody else will like identify with and enjoy like is there like where would you start I think I would definitely start by going to a place where you can actually ask someone uh, who who helps you. So mm -hmm. go to a wine shop, don't go to the supermarket or to the discounter, and then 
those people tend to know what they are selling and they mm. will be able to give you a recommendation. Maybe it's not to your taste, but at least they, they give you a recommendation. And if, if they're wrong, they might actually accept the, like the rest of the bottles back if they if you don't like them so 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 that's that's number one but i i know that not everyone can do that sure. or, or or wants to do that and if you're standing in front of a big shelf of wine i would actually i would actually um unless you don't definitely don't like white wines i would go for for a white uh, wine uh, more often than a red because they tend to be usually a more acceptable uh, uh, um, red wines tend to be usually a little bit more more expensive and and uh, and some of them are not not necessarily great uh, at at the matching price point for mm -hmm. with a with a with a comparable white wine so i would go go for that you can also look at the label and and check out the label uh, uh, usually i mean that's many people say you shouldn't look at the labels about the content but But if you if you look at the label, you get an idea of what the what the producer is like. Is he okay. more a young, uh, hip kind of kind of guy, or mm -hmm. is it is it a very traditional, established uh, place? So that this might give you an indication as well. Um, so 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 that would be it. But but I would really um, I would really urge everyone to kind of go to some some place and just ask like ask ask in a wine shop there are so many good wine shops now mm -hmm. um uh, and and they will be actually able able to tailor something to your taste and to the occasion and to the food you, that you're consuming mm -hmm. so that's that's uh, the best way to do it all right well um what about like training your your palate and like kind of like training your nose like maybe not everybody has the chance to become a master of wine um how would you go about like kind of you improving your own uh your own skills um i actually um smell and taste lots of things uh, with the intention of learning or remembering that smell so okay. so like when i when i buy produce i i smell fruit and vegetables uh, in order to kind of um, brand that into into mm -hmm. my brain Um, my my little daughter was like four years old. She she already does that as well, uh, and she really loves to smell on things. So so you should use your senses more often. Mm -hmm. And then and then you you can actually um, I actually have uh, like aroma sets where where I basically have like the aroma of an orange, for example, mm -hmm. in a vial, and and you don't see it when you look at it. You can smell it, and then you, there's a number on it, and you can identify the aroma. So you can practice. Your sense of uh, uh, blind tasting mm -hmm. flavors, uh, basically. So, so you smell it. Oftentimes, actually, if I would give you, unless your nose is perfect, but if I would give you like a strawberry mm -hmm. flavor, uh, flavored filled, flavor filled vial, you might not be able to identify it. You'd go, well, this I know this flavor, yeah. but I don't know what it is. I don't know the name. You so know? it's like we haven't like uh, kind of like trained those synapses yeah, exactly. like without the without the help of our eyes. That's it. Okay. So, so you have to practice that in order to get really good at it. Mm -hmm. And and then yeah, it's really about um, about being more present. Like uh, smell your wine properly, uh, smell your food, uh, enjoy the taste of your mm -hmm. your banana or or your apple. In order to kind of brand it into your brain, it will make your life better, and and it will actually maybe you gain some skills that you can use at your next uh, wine tasting to show off. Very good. <laughs> so, like, let let's talk about some of those. Like, what could you do at home other than like smelling? Like, are there some other things that you could do at home just to kind of improve your wine skills? Whether it's like letting uh, a bottle breathe. I know, like, um, uh, in France, it seems like 
the 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 professionals there say like you should never let older bottles breathe in Italy, at least in Tuscany. They were telling me like, oh yeah, at least a year for every uh for every year that the the bottle is old. A like, year or an hour? Or, uh, excuse me, an yeah. hour for every year. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. what I meant. All yeah, right. I understand like okay. why you were raising your eyebrows. Yeah, it was like a <laughs> bottle of Brunello, and some guy was just like, okay, it's like it's a 2012, so you want it tomorrow morning? Like, get a you want it for dinner? Like, open it up in the morning and just let it sit. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think that there, there are not not so many rules on that, but but usually, I mean, I I don't I don't decant old wines. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I I taste many old wines. I've done like lots of videos where I taste like wines from the 19th century on my channel. Um, but but uh, usually I'm very careful with that because if you expose the wine to oxygen, right. it might deteriorate. Sometimes it increases or enhances the flavor. Um, and oftentimes with like younger red wines, you can't go wrong with uh, carafing it or decanting mm. it, exposing it to air. But with old wines, sometimes they come apart. Okay. So you got to be careful with that. So So the best thing really is to open the bottle have a little sip in your glass, uh, taste it, and if you if it feels like the wine is holding back, mm -hmm. um, then then decant it, give it give it some more air. If it feels like the wine is already quite open and might mm -hmm. just uh, fall apart, so if it starts smelling a little bit porty and and oxidized, then don't do it. Just drink it from the bottle, and it will develop in the glass, and you might. Might might even be able to keep the bottle for another day, uh, like half half of the bottle, and put it on the kitchen counter and taste the rest the next day and see okay. see how how it did. Well, then um, I think that's pretty much all I got. I I think, however, you did bring something, and I was wondering maybe you could walk us through um, how you would properly taste a wine. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, even though this is not great podcasting, people, but I'm sure we'll be able to walk you. We'll be able to discuss what's going on here in in real time. Um. You mentioned before, you can tell a lot about the label. Yeah. If I were to guess at that, I haven't seen this. Uh, there looks to be like some type of uh, an old type of map, some cartographer from like, I don't know, the 1600s, an old map maker, and some type of Leviathan, some sea monster. Yeah. Um, I would say that, is, does this have anything to do with Sicily? Yeah, actually, I, th I think it actually uh, this sea monster, the Skilla, it's called, lived in uh, off the coast of Calabria or a bit further up north. So, okay. So, so your wife might know more about it. Okay. Um, but but uh, I I didn't research that. Okay. It just just <laughs> worked enough. out like that. But but um, um, uh, so so this is actually um, a really cool little producer in in California. So, okay. So so they are based in. In uh, well, on the coast, uh, further down from from San Francisco, mm -hmm. in uh, Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. So so, uh, and they make really amazing wines from really old vineyards. Okay. So from the label, you might not be able to tell that it's a cool and hip place, but but you might be able to tell that from from the taste of it. But they are not selling the wines in the supermarkets anyway. So yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. But uh, I will be sure to like take a picture of the label and uh, put it in the article that's accompanying this podcast. Don't yes. worry, people. So if you if you open the bottle, you can actually you have to, have to start at the capsule, and mm -hmm. and you can either just cut off the whole thing. Uh, okay. I, I sometimes like to do that. I just like go down the the bottle and and cut it open, and then take off the whole whole thing mm -hmm. in one piece. Um, because it actually serves no purpose, the the capsule. It just okay. protects the 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 bottle a little bit, but but it doesn't really serve a purpose. So you can just take it off. If you want to cut it off, you cut it off below that lip. You know, mm -hmm. I I hate it when people cut off the the capsule 
above the lip um, because because uh, it look it doesn't look good. Okay, <laughs> and and you you might actually run the risk of wine running over the capsule, and then you might have some little pieces of of from the capsule uh, in in your glass. Mm -hmm. So you cut it off, then then you. Then you sometimes you actually have the one of those little um, little um, sippers that you can use to to cut off the whole thing, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, you remove the whole thing. I could have done a more beautiful job here, but it's it's okay. It's it, all right. No one can see it anyway. Cameras are so, not rolling. Yeah, that's it. So um, and and the next thing is, I actually only use like a wine key for opening bottle. One of those things here. So so not. Not one of those big machines, not one of those mm -hmm. things with the two arms that you have to uh, pull up and push down or okay. whatever. Um, uh, the wine key is the thing every sommelier uses in the restaurant. And that's because, not because it looks cool or anything like that. It's because it's it's just the most useful tool okay. and, and it works the best as soon as you know how to how to, uh, how to to operate it, basically. So, so you... You basically just put it into the middle of the cork and and turn it. You don't push down. You just turn the thing as soon as it's anchored in in the cork, and then you use those. This is one of those wine keys where you have two two levels basically. Mm -hmm. So you use the this one that is the the bottom one uh, first to pull out the first bit of the cork, and then you take it off up and and use the second one here, and then you pull out the whole thing. There you go. You, you you can can make a noise if you want to in in the restaurant. You don't want to right. You don't want to make make noises. You don't have to smell the cork. It's just not very helpful. Mm -hmm. Even if it's corked, the wine is corked. Um, you you don't you don't necessarily get that from from the cork. You you okay. should taste the wine, not taste okay. the cork. And and that's how you open this thing. So okay. now I need to get to the glasses. Yep. It is. Uh, First time we've ever had a live wine tasting here on the Olmar podcast. Before. Yeah. We do have other formats in the uh, Olmar Podstars family um, where they do regularly drink wine. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Tim Why Meltzer. Um, he always drinks wine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I should have asked for my glass of, of, of red wine <laughs> with the session. So, so uh, well, next thing is obviously pouring the stuff. Uh -huh. uh, I, I don't know. Um, uh, many people are a little bit scared of that. The thing is, I actually make a mess on a regular basis, and I've poured many, uh, <laughs> many, many, many glasses of wines. So it, it just happens. So just live with it. You Roll know? with it. Yeah, exactly. You can lift up the glass uh, uh, to uh, to make sure that you're you're not spilling anything, mm -hmm. and then you just pour it. Pour it in. Yeah. And actually, you can't see it, but this wine is quite light colored, quite pale. Mm -hmm. Um. Oftentimes, people think great wine needs to be like great red wine needs to be very dark uh, and concentrated, but it doesn't. Um, I think oftentimes uh, some of the best red wines in the world are actually quite light colored. So, so and and these producers they they really want to make uh, elegant, light, mm -hmm. refreshing wines. Also, people often think Californian wines need to be heavy and concentrated, and this one has thirteen percent of alcohol. Okay, so so it's quite a quite a light refreshing afternoon wine i guess there you go and that's exactly what time of day it is here so next thing is obviously uh, um, agitating the glass so you got to spin it in your hand that that is, looks a little bit pretentious but but it actually frees off uh, frees up the aroma so mm -hmm. so you increase the surface area to get more aroma out of the wine more flavor uh, to really fully enjoy it 
And then you just rattle down as many flavors as you can in order to impress, impress <laughs> your audience. Your audience. Yeah. No, you, I think I think that's kind of silly uh, to to uh, well name twenty uh, different aroma components, but 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 uh, I, I tend to focus on maybe three or four things that you can pick up. For me, this has like berry fruit character. Um, but do you do you have anything you pick up, Scott? Something like lavender, some type of flower. Yeah, yeah. There's a herbaceous character for sure. There's also like a little bit of blackberry, cherry flavors there, even like raspberry flavors. Mm -hmm. So, so it's actually quite light and refined, and you have to kind of swirl the wine around in your mouth in order to make sure that it coats every every bit of your mouth, and then okay. then it can then you can kind of really assess its quality. And here you got the freshness uh, of the acidity, quite lively. There's there's good structure there, but very very um, ripe tannins so it's kind of velvety and refreshing i quite like it how, how about you do you, do you uh, like I, it? I enjoy it very much um i i think i'm gonna make a fool out of myself or i'm gonna be pretty on point is this a pinot noir uh, no it's not it's actually. not no what it, is but, this? but it but it style wise i i can 100 see where you're coming from because it's light colored it's yeah It has these uh, berry fruit flavors. It's juicy, fresh, not too alcoholic. But this is actually a blend of, uh, it it's actually says on the label, 78% Carignan, 15% Grenache, and 7% Mourvedre. So oh, okay. three great varieties that are not super well known, but they are quite uh, commonly planted in the south of France. Yeah. So along Also the coast. very heavy. Like I mean, like uh, yeah. the last two, uh, Mourvedre and Grenache, those are part of the GSM. Yeah, exactly. Which is very like, Yeah, so 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 they they um, tend to produce really rich wines, but here at this winery they actually manage to right. make a very well, elegant Pinot-esque wine out There of it. There you go. So then uh, to wrap up, um, what else is going on right now, and what is uh, what is next for you and for the master of wine uh, TikTok? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think short form co content will definitely be something that I want to expand on. I've, mm -hmm. I've been doing a, a few experiments. But I definitely want to do like uh, attack that properly and do some some more stuff on Instagram Reels, TikTok, mm -hmm. and and YouTube Shorts. I also um, want to bring more things back. So so I, I really um, I, I've kind of expanded my team a, a little bit this year, and I want to um, want to um, use my platforms to educate more people, get them more interested in wine. And get them more more knowledge knowledgeable as well. My 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 purpose in life is to make sure that the world tastes better. So so that's kind of the the main objective. And and for me, um, retail will be always be one thing. Education will be another element that is kind of coming up uh, for me. Um, but but it's not. I'm not quite there yet to to be able to really talk about that. And then. And then, um, and then there's like also one day concerting Baum wine. I guess uh, I will I will make some some of my own wines at some point. But but that's in in, in the distant future. All for right. Now. Well, we'll be keep, we'll be watching, Constantine. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. Buzz.